Tech Fighter Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 517 for the 30th of October, 2016. Happy almost Halloween. Last week's distributed denial-of-service attack that rendered large parts of the Internet useless was only a preview. There's more to come. You might want to consider using a DNS service that's not from your Internet service provider. In short circuits, Alien Skin's SnapArt 4 makes it easy to add striking effects to your photographs. Some websites just simply invite hacker attacks. Police in Europe have a plan to fight ransomware. And in spare parts, only on the website, CyberGhost is another choice for secure internet communications. Somebody might be listening to your phone calls. And technology could threaten the annual performance review. Everybody who knows anything about security has been complaining about the Internet of Things. Now we've had an example of why they're concerned, but don't expect much to improve, at least not any time soon. When the Internet was developed as a private network for schools, the military, and corporations, secure protocols were not considered to be important. After all, the network was connected to just a few organizations, when the Internet became public, though, the lack of security was felt profoundly. Secure protocols were bolted on, and if they're used correctly, they can assure a reasonable level of privacy and security. One might have thought that the Internet of Things would handle things differently, that developers would have learned from earlier mistakes. But no, for the most part, the Internet of Things devices have no security. And because much of the code that runs the devices is embedded in hardware, it's unlikely that patches will be available anytime soon, if ever. Last week, a huge distributed denial-of-service attack was launched, actually several of them. These attacks took down some of the most popular sites on the Internet, including Twitter, Amazon, Tumblr, Reddit, Spotify, and Netflix. The attackers launched their efforts from hundreds of thousands or perhaps millions of devices. What devices? Security cameras, baby monitors, digital video recorders, routers. This was possible because the idiots, and I use that word advisedly, the idiots who designed these systems often enable default usernames and passwords that cannot be changed by the users. The attacks used software called Mirai, and the person who created it has released the code. Oh, good. That means anybody can use it to attack anyone at any time. Mirai crawls the Internet looking for vulnerable devices and then includes them in its harem. Chinese manufacturer Hyangmai Technologies makes components that are used by virtually all other manufacturers, according to security expert Brian Krebs, and he was quoting security firm Flashpoint's director of research, Allison Nixon. The attack was directed at Dyn, D-Y-N, 
Dyn is both a DNS provider and a host. As a DNS provider, it correlates the names we type into browser address bars with the IP address of the site that we want to view. The TechBiter Worldwide site, techbiter.com, for example, is 67.222.41.89. You could type the numbers in, but let's face it, techbiter.com is a lot easier to remember than 67.222.41.89. The attacks took down sites such as Amazon, Netflix, Reddit, Twitter, and a host of smaller sites several times. Taking down a company such as Dine does a lot more than cripple just one or two websites. As we saw this past week, it renders the network itself virtually unusable. The first attack occurred about 7 a.m. Eastern Time. That was followed by a second attack around noon and a third attack later in the day. Dine needed most of the morning to respond to the first attack, which affected only the East Coast. The second attack was intended to affect global operations, but Dyne shut that one down within an hour. The third attack simply failed. Distributed denial-of-service attacks send a continuous stream of requests to the victim. The victim must examine every request and attempt to respond to it. If the number of meaningless requests is sufficiently large, the victim cannot respond to legitimate requests. In an ideal world, whenever an Internet of Things device was set up and placed online for the first time, that device would force the user to create a new administrator username and password, or at the very least, a new password. Companies are probably reluctant to do that. That's because users would do something wrong, and then they would need to contact the company for support. The result of that would be the company would need to hire more people to work in support. That, of course, would adversely affect quarterly earnings, and that could possibly endanger the CEO's ability to buy a new boat or a summer home this year. You know, at one time we had federal agencies that were charged with creating regulations designed to avoid problems like this. So many of these agencies have been co-opted by businesses that they're supposed to be regulating, that idiotic situations such as this arise. There is a real and present danger here. It's not going to get better on its own. If you're wondering what can be done, well, so am I. It seems to me that government agencies could force manufacturers to recall all of their defective products. There is a clear precedent for this. The National Transportation Safety Board can force automobile manufacturers to fix defective vehicles. The problem, of course, is equally obvious. Most of these devices are probably owned by people that the manufacturers cannot identify. And even if they could identify the owners, convincing people to take devices out of service and send them in for updates is unlikely to succeed. So, welcome to the future. If you're using your internet service provider's name servers, maybe you should switch to another service. 
The DNS server is set in your Mac OS or Windows settings if you have no router. Anyone who does use a router will need to look at the router's control panel. And while you're looking at your router's configuration, you should also change the default administrator password so that rogue software like Mirai won't be able to take over your router and use it for bad purposes. Once you've done that, it's time to think about changing the DNS settings. The section of the router control panel you want to look at is probably called Internet or WAN, W-A-N. That's Wide Area Network. You'll find a section for Domain Name Server, or DNS address. That'll probably be set to obtain the address automatically from your ISP. Instead, change this option so that it indicates you'll provide your own DNS servers. There are several options. My preference is OpenDNS, but there are some others that you might want to try instead. Google runs a DNS server. So does Advantage, and so does Scrubit. You'll find the IP addresses that they use on the TechBiter Worldwide website this week. A reasonable question might be raised about the defensive capabilities offered by using a separate DNS server. A reasonable answer seems to be that it probably won't help much. After all, there are only so many large name server operations, and swamping all of them wouldn't be a massive undertaking. Still, using a name server other than your ISP's name server will probably provide faster response, and some of the alternatives watch for intentional domain name misspellings and either return an error message or deliver you to the site that you really wanted instead of the one you typed. OpenDNS is one of those. In short circuits, Alien Skin's SnapArt is one of the most effective ways to give photographs a complete makeover that can change the image's overall look. No effect can turn a bad photograph into a work of art, but often an effect can help to communicate the intended meaning of the image. Recently, I wanted to modify a photograph in a way that would impart the meaning of childishness, so I applied a crayon effect to an image using SnapArt 4. The effect was exactly what I was looking for. So if you go to the TechBiter Worldwide website this week, will you see that image? Well, no. I'm not going to show you that image for reasons that would become clear if I did show you that image. But I will show you the effect with another image. This time, let's imagine you have a picture of a cat. After all, I have lots of pictures of cats. And then let's assume that you'd like to create an image that looks like it had been created by a child using crayons. You'll see two images on the TechBiter Worldwide website, my starting image in Lightroom. As with other alien skin applications, SnapArt 4 can be used in conjunction with Lightroom or Photoshop, or it can run as a standalone application. Now, why would anybody want to use an application that reduces the clarity of a nice, sharp, clear photograph? Obvious question, easy answer. Sometimes, extreme clarity produced by today's lenses and sensors just don't fit the artist's expectation for the image. Sometimes those sharp images are exactly what's needed. In other cases, intentionally moving the camera during the exposure produces a mood and a look that the photographer wants. SnapArt 4 is used for the same reasons. Many different treatments are possible, from color pencil and crayon to pontillism and watercolor. For the image of the cat, 
I decided that the crayon effect was what I wanted. My stated goal was to create an image that has the appearance of something created by a child. When you look at the image on the TechBiter Worldwide website, you'll realize that this would be an image created by an astonishingly talented child. To make the image look a lot more like a child created it, it'd be necessary to first use some Photoshop magic, maybe liquify to modify the shape of the cat. After all, young children rarely get perspective right, and pre-processing in liquify would add that dimension. Alien Skin's SnapArt 4 has a wealth of controls that can be used to individualize modifications that are applied to an image. Increasing or decreasing photorealism, brush size, and stroke length, for example. Or modifying color variation, brightness, contrast, or saturation. And that's just the beginning. Masking allows greater control of the painterly effects, so you can reduce the effect in areas where you want more detail, and increase it in areas where you want the effect itself to be more pronounced. So the next time you want to excite your inner artist, take a look at Alien Skin's SnapArt 4. You'll find more information on the Alien Skin website, and of course there's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website. year, more than three-quarters of a million websites are breached at 750,000 or more. The results may be the theft of sensitive and private information, or it may result in malware being placed on the site. TechBiter Worldwide uses SiteLock to monitor the server, and the company says that some site characteristics increase the chances of an attack. SiteLock scans more than six million websites every day. It has found that sites are more likely to be attacked if they use certain technologies or if they have links to some social media applications. Many websites offer highly engaging and complex features such as social media, e-commerce, and custom web applications. These are popular features, but they may attract more than fans. They can also significantly amplify site vulnerability. SiteLock says that a website is two and a half times more likely to be compromised than average if it links to a Twitter account and that Twitter account has 10,000 or more followers. A website with more than 10 plugins is twice as likely to be hacked. A site with 20 or more plugins, that triples the threat. There are clear warning signs that a cyber attack is underway, from slow load speeds to questionable data and obvious spam. For example, backdoor files account for 40% of all malware infections and give hackers the ability to alter a site's content. I have seen this happen to a site that went from being clean one day to having thousands of malicious files and being shut down by the hosting provider the next day. And no, it wasn't the TechBiter Worldwide website. SiteLock has a variety of plans, from basic monitoring to automatic removal of malware when it's found. Many hosting providers have teamed up with the company, so if you have a website, SiteLock is worth checking out. You'll find a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website.
world police agencies across Europe have joined in a project launched by the Dutch National Police and others to shut down ransomware. So far, the agencies have helped more than 2,500 victims decrypt their data, saving an estimated $1 million in ransom payments. Sounds like a really good idea. No More Ransom was created by the Dutch National Police, Europol, Intel Security, and Kaspersky Lab. Kaspersky Lab provides security applications to more than a quarter million business clients worldwide. Intel Security owns McAfee, another provider of protective applications. The project was launched in July, and now several additional federal police agencies have joined. The United Kingdom, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Bulgaria, Colombia, France, Hungary, Ireland, Italy, Latvia, Lithuania, Portugal, Spain, and Switzerland. The operation's objective is to provide a helpful resource for victims of ransomware. Users can find information on what ransomware is, how it works, and most importantly, how to protect themselves. During the first two months, more than 2,500 people managed to decrypt their own data without having to pay the criminals. They used the main decryption tools that are located on the platform, CoinVault, Wildfire, and Shade. This has deprived those poor cyber criminals of an estimated $1 million in ransoms. Since the launch of the portal in July, Wildfire Decryptor has been added and two decryption tools have been updated. Ransomware is a top threat for European law enforcement. Almost two-thirds of EU member states are conducting investigations into this form of malware. While the target is often individual users' devices, corporate and even government networks have been affected also. Stephen Wilson, head of the European Cybercrime Center, says that Europol is committed to supporting the project within the EU and internationally. Despite the increasing challenges, he says the project has demonstrated that a coordinated approach by EU law enforcement succeeds by focusing on prevention and awareness. In order to broaden the audience and improve results further, the portal is currently being adapted to support several different language versions, and as a second step, the project developers expect to welcome new companies into the private sector. Even if you're not in Europe, you can use the site and the tools provided there. If you'd like to learn more, check out nomoreransom.org. There's a link to it from the TechBiter Worldwide website. And while you're on the TechBiter Worldwide website, check out Spare Parts. After all, that's the only place you'll find it. This week, CyberGhost is another choice for your secure Internet communications. Somebody might be listening to your phone calls. And technology could threaten annual performance reviews. Is anybody sad about that? Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.